Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show we assess the five teams that will represent Africa at next year's World Cup. We also focus on one team that won't be there, as Ivory Coast missed out this time. Also, we speak to Nigeria and Arsenal forward Alex Iwobi on the future of teammates Alex Sanchez and Mesut Ozil and where the Gunners might finish this season. Hopefully top four because we're a bit disappointed not to be in the Champions League. So we have to be consistent and do well. So we'll see where we end up at the end of the season. Also, Stuart gives us his analysis on what's happening in the English Premier League with four managers fired already. The situation is simply that with Premier League survival worth over $100 million a year, club owners are very quick to panic if the team starts the season badly. That's coming up later, but first to the World Cup qualifiers. So after the final games in qualifying, we know that Africa's five teams at next year's World Cup in Russia will be Nigeria, Senegal, Egypt, Tunisia and Morocco. That's two teams from West Africa and three from North Africa. Teams that missed out are Ivory Coast and DR Congo, while teams like Ghana, Cameroon and Algeria were already out going into the last group games. Well, Solomon, it does look like an exciting representation for Africa. Let's look at the West African nations first. Uh, How do you feel about Nigeria and Senegal? Well, Steve, I don't feel so optimistic, uh, you know, about Nigeria and Senegal. But at the same time, I feel they do have a a sense of surprise they will be taken into Russia. You know, uh, looking at Nigeria, Nigeria has uh, been to the World Cup in like three, four times in a row. And the team is a, is a mixture of uh, experienced players. You know, we have players like uh, John Michalobi is right there. Ahmed Musa uh, is still there and playing. And I feel that, you know, that uh, the youngsters that have come in, like uh, Kalechi Hinecho is going to be his first World Cup. Alex Iwobi, um, you know, great players. We have uh, Abdullahi Umar. We have uh, other young players like Ezekiel Imo. Uh, and uh, Leon Balogun coming in, I feel they they really do have a chance. They played with quite a lot of flair and um, more like a team. I I think they have a great coach who's been able to get the good results for them. But one area that Nigeria is definitely going to struggle is the area of uh, goalkeeping. Uh, And Nigeria, since the exit of Vincent Nyema, hasn't found the the right uh, goalkeeper to mount the post. There's a young goalkeeper from the Potivo La Coronia, inexperienced. There's Daniel Ekpeyi, who plays for Chipper United in South Africa. Uh, Comes in sometimes a bit of blunders. We've seen that with, uh, you know, the two goalkeepers. You know, there's there's been a bit of blunders here and there. But when you go to the World Cup, you want to make sure that errors are eliminated but uh, that's definitely an area that Nigeria is definitely going to struggle with. Senegal for me they've always been underachievers I've been saying this for the last three four years they have a group of uh, players that are really 
uh, playing top football in Europe, and I feel very talented, great team. Uh, but they've always been underachieving, you know. And, and it's good to see this the same crop of players qualifying Senegal to the World Cup for the second time in its history. Uh, would they be able to get to the quarterfinal like the last time Al Haji Diouf and his uh, team did? I don't think so. Uh, I think they will be exposed in the in the rounds. Uh, they have a team that will play very well, but I think they will struggle to play against experienced teams and and teams that are more compact. And uh, we would hope to see, you know, we we hope to see what they could do. But at the same time, I don't rule an element of surprise from either Nigeria or Senegal. I feel they still, you know, they carry something very special. Uh, that is, if they're able to play together as a team and, and play at their best. Well, I'd be very hopeful with those two teams, although Senegal, very exciting, but went out at the quarter-final stage of the Africa Cup of Nations this year. And a boost for Nigeria is that the Nigeria Football Federation and the players have signed an agreement concerning the payment structure for the World Cup to avoid problems that have come up at previous tournaments with arguments over finances. And Nigeria doing well with a 4-2 friendly win against Argentina in the Russian city of Krasnodar on Tuesday. Two goals from Alex Iwobi, and we'll hear from Iwobi shortly on the show. Now, Solomon, what about Egypt? Uh, They do look very strong right now. Yes, Egypt looked very good right now. You know, thanks to Mohamed Salah, I may say that. You know, Mohamed Salah has been playing his best football since he moved to uh, Liverpool. And I think he's been carrying the Egyptian team. But outside of him, there's also some equally good players. Uh, they're a team to watch because they, they've they been struggling the last uh, five, four or five years. But now they've gotten the opportunity. They're a team that is built on, you know, a flair of Africa and European football a team that is uh, right there and is expected to play well and and also you know knows how to counter attack and and play very well the the clubs in Egypt are doing well so there there's a, a mix of you know some great players that are, are coming through for them to be able to get out of the the group depending on the group they they're going to find themselves uh, definitely is going to be uh, something that they would give their themselves uh, a chance of of getting out of that group Well, hopefully they will go beyond the group stage. The pharaohs of Egypt are impressing at the moment. Now, the other North African teams, Morocco and Tunisia, both did well in qualifying. Do you feel they could be capable of delivering in Russia? Morocco will be back at the World Cup after 20 years, while Tunisia must be said have been outclassed in their four previous World Cup appearances, going out at the group stage each time. Morocco back, you know, after about 20 years and and, uh, Tunisia there, though their previous experience has been really uh, short and not pleasant. But it was good to see Morocco coming coming back. Morocco has a great coach, uh, Javier Rene. He, he he's been able to bring the Moroccan team together uh, and to uh, play to get results. They play with so much confidence. Uh, they use their spaces very well. This is a team that are definitely I would uh, out of the not African teams that are going to be at the World Cup. I think they definitely going to be up there with Egypt. Um, you know to play very well. Tunisia for me, uh, I don't, I don't really, I, I don't think they they have any chance. Uh, if you look at the crop of players they have, uh, it's a bit of inexperience. There's uh, uh, players that are not really top players that would be able to compete well at the. World Cup. So it will be difficult for Tunisia, definitely. But Morocco is definitely a team that I feel they could surprise a lot of people from the way I watch them play. 
Ivory Coast the last time, they, they would definitely surprise a lot of people. Right, and a word on one team that didn't make it, that's Ivory Coast, who missed out on a fourth consecutive appearance at the finals, losing 2-0 to Morocco at home and putting up a simply dreadful performance. It was Hervé Renard, who won the 2015 Nations Cup with Côte d'Ivoire, who's now the Morocco coach, who sealed the fate of the Elephants. Now, coach Mark Wilmots has left the post of Elephants coach, having been in charge for just six months. So would you say that this is the end of an era for Ivory Coast, who've been arguably Africa's best team over the past 12 years or so? Ivory Coast, for me, has uh, been definitely the best team in the last 10 years in Africa, you know, because of the calibre of players they had, the Didier Drogba's, the, the Torre brothers, and the bench was strong with players like Salomon Kalou, uh, and and being able to to, uh, to make sure that they they get the results that they that they had and they've been also privileged to get some of the some of the best coaches to come in and and, and still continue uh, but now you know I feel the elephants of Ivory Coast need to really look back home and, and say what are we doing wrong I think for me it's not the case of they don't have the players for to be able to deliver but I think the Ivorian team has become so individualistic where we don't see the cohesion, we don't see the unity in their play. And, and that is definitely a big, a big problem uh, for them. I, I feel they've been disjointed. The players are there, but they need to be able to get a different approach to it. They need to be able to get different mentality for the, for, for the players, you know, to be able to come in and play as a team, uh, to be able to come in and, and really forget about being an individual player. And, and, all, and a lot of that will also depend on the coach. They've been changing a lot of coaches uh, the last few years, chopping and changing. And, and that is not really good for, for a team that is in transition and you're trying to build. So we, we definitely hope uh, Ivory Coast will be able to put his houses in order because a lot of African player, African football fans are definitely going to be rooting for them. Well, thanks, Solomon. Yes, uh, Ivory Coast has done so much to make us proud in recent years. Well, this week on Facebook and on WhatsApp, we're asking, is it the end of an era for the elephants? Ivory Coast, arguably Africa's best team in recent years, but missing out on a fourth consecutive appearance at the World Cup. So will they bounce back or is this an end of an era for a team that's had so many great players in recent years? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Then you can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programmes too in our archive. Also, you can listen on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. Well, now to our interview with Arsenal's Nigeria international Alex Iwobi. It's been good for Iwobi with Nigeria, qualifying for the World Cup, but not a great start to the English Premier League season with his club. Iwobi spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji about Arsenal's ambitions this season and the future of Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil. And Oluwashina first asked her where Iwobi thinks that Arsenal might finish this season. Maybe in the top six? 
We focus game by game. At the end of the day, we just concentrate on what game's coming up next. We try to win, and we have to be consistent with it to end up in the top four, top six, and hopefully top four because we're a bit disappointed not to be in the Champions League. So we have to be consistent and do well. So we'll see where we end up at the end of the season. I recall every time I ask you in England about Alexis Ozil as well as Sanchez, you always say, you know what, I'd love for them to stay and all that. Since last summer, have you had an opportunity to talk to them, knowing fully well that in January both players could be leaving the club? Um, well, honestly, we never talk about that. He, we, if we ever talk, it's about how to help the team, how to help me as a young player, because obviously they are senior players. And always, the ways do advise me and help me with what I need to improve on. So that's what we really talk about. We never really talk about if they're staying or not, because that's their decision at the end of the day. I have to respect it. Everyone is saying the number 10 role at Arsenal, you look like a perfect fit. I mean, should Oxley leave and all of that? Is it something of a sort of pressure or something that you think you can just step in and do? Um, if, it, if it means me playing number 10, if it means me playing right back, um, I'm any, any position I'm ready to represent. I mean, I always give 100% no matter what role I'm asked to play. So if I get told to play number 10, I'll try my best. Whoever the chance comes, I'll be ready. I'd like to say I'm ready. Then you look at some of the things around Arsenal this season. Everyone is talking about you know the rise and rise of Tottenham Hotspur, and of course the the champions Chelsea also struggling as well. Does that make life difficult for a club like Arsenal that even struggled to make top four last season? Um, at the end of the day, every team has pressure. We have to just overcome that. We are focusing on ourselves. We're not really focusing on what other teams are doing. So we have to see where we end up at the end of the season. Talking about those two key players as well, people say, should they leave, it could be a setback for Arsenal to attract other top players to come. What do you think? Um, well, it would be a setback because obviously the stats, you can see that they, they do get, we do, like, we do need them with the stats. To, but yeah, um, whether they stay or not, that's not my decision, it's up to them really. But it would be great for them to stay. What do they bring to the team? Um, as you can see, goals and assists and quite a lot of them and for a team like Arsenal is what we need we need to be aiming for top four so we can't win games without scoring so that's what we need that is Arsenal and Nigeria forward Alex Iwobi speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Akaleji so Stuart Iwobi talking of a top four finish for Arsenal also there talking about the position of Sanchez and Ozil and also if he thinks himself he might cement a place in the Arsenal starting lineup. Yes, Steve, certainly some very interesting comments from Alec Awobi. And I think he's done extremely well to be in the starting lineup for Arsenal so many times at the moment. You know, we talk about uh, other young players at the big clubs who really had to battle to get into the first team, but he seems to be playing regularly and holding his own. Whether Sanchez and Uzel will leave in January has been talked about so much. I think that Sanchez has made it clear that he wants to get away from Arsenal. But, of course, he wants to go to a better team. And it depends what offers come in and what money is available. And if he's not going to sign a new contract, then I think Arsenal may feel they've got to cash in on, on the transfer window in January. Ozil is coming to the end of his career. He's been a great player, but he's been a bit anonymous in the last season in a lot of games. So I think that Iwobi will soon be above him in the packing order anyway, so I would worry less about him. Great to hear Iwobi's confidence to what Arsenal can achieve. 
I don't think I would put money on them being on the top four come the end of the season. I think that Manchester United and Manchester City are certainly going to be there. I think that Chelsea, Tottenham, Liverpool are all in with a chance. I would tend to think, if you wanted me to put my money where my mouth is, so to speak, that Arsenal will finish fifth or sixth. I just can't see them doing better than that, unless, of course, they splash a lot of money in the transfer window and manage to hold on to Sanchez, who I think is their crucial player. Okay, well, uh, we'll see. Uh, Thanks for that, Stuart, and uh, do stay with us. Uh, But next, on Planet Sport Football Africa, we turn to social media. And on last week's show, we looked at the aspect of the importance of the mental attitude of football players and whether Africa is too far behind in this area. These days, it's said that football is not just about the physical side, but that the mental side of things also determines how a player performs. Germany's national team is well known for handling pressure situations well, but it's not easy for African players as there can be many challenges and distractions. So we asked, do you think the mental side of the game is an issue in African football? On Facebook in Ghana, Daniel Buckman says Africa needs to rise and bind itself to the new era of football. Physical aspects do matter, but how long can you sustain your strength? Let's move to the bigger stage and learn more, says Daniel. On WhatsApp, Ugis Sis in the Gambia thinks African players need to improve in all aspects of their game, saying in football both mental and physical is needed to overcome at difficult moments, says Ugis. Also in the Gambia, Steve thinks that mental attitude is an issue, saying yes, because when you look at African footballers, their mentality isn't the best, says Steve, especially when they start playing in Europe and they think the money they're earning is enough for them, so there's no need for improvement, and that is so bad. Indeed, they need to change their mentality, in my opinion. Fabrice in Cameroon agrees, saying yes, I think so, because in Africa most of our players are hardly educated on the mental side. Most of our coaches focus on the tactical and physical sides of the game, leaving out the mental aspect altogether. Most African teams fail at the big stages in major competitions because this part of the game is left out or only partly touched. We need to include this part in our game in Africa, from youth level to the national sides, says Fabrice. But Alfred Mdimba in Malawi disagrees, saying, Not really. We've seen many African players playing classic football, so it shows they do have the right mental attitude. Daniel in Ghana says, I personally believe that mental strength counts a lot in modern-day football, as we all know. The issue with African players is a big question. Most players believe in their egos when their footballing career is on the rise, playing for a bigger club and with top-notch coaches. The physical side of football is a thing of the past. It's a simple wake-up call to African football to improve both physically and mentally, says Daniel. Tony Correa in The Gambia agrees that the mental aspect should be considered much more than it actually is right now. Somehow it's disturbing for us Africans because we treat football as if it's only about the physical, says Tony. But 95% of it is the mental side and only 5% the physical aspect, in my opinion. Alaji S. Fai and the Gambia says, Yes, I believe in the issue of mental attitude. 
When you come to football in Africa, it's a problem because there's too much emphasis on the physical side. From my perspective, we believe so much in the physical side, but I believe many teams in Africa are now capable of playing mental football and to keep up the pressure. I can cite examples such as Egypt, Senegal, and Nigeria that are implementing more of mental football in their groups and their nation at large, says Alaji. And Barnabas Ande in Nigeria agrees, saying absolutely it is an issue in African football, but the teams are handling it a lot better、uh, these days. Look at Nigeria. Cameroon have also improved, lately winning the Nations Cup, says Barnabas, and Morocco have qualified for the World Cup, and others too are taking on the mental side. But overall, there is still room for improvement. Stanley in Ghana thinks there's still a long way to go, saying certainly the mental aspect is an issue because looking at African players, as soon as they start making it up there, instead of pressing hard to get to the apex, you'll see them relaxing because they think they're already there. But that is not so. Their mentality towards football is very poor, and they need to sit up and build upon it. Obina in Nigeria suggests that the services of a team psychologist would help national teams、uh, to raise the mental strength of the players、uh, with talks and motivation before, during, and after games. And finally, Barang Sane in the Gambia says, "Yes, it is indeed a problem because many African players easily lose their temper when playing with European teams. And as a player, you should be able to handle pressure mentally and in every situation," says Barang. Thanks so much for all of those comments. Apologies if we didn't get to read out yours, but it's always great to hear from you. This week we're asking: Is it the end of an era for the Ivory Coast national team? Arguably Africa's best team over the past 12 years or so, but missing out on a fourth consecutive appearance at the World Cup after losing to Morocco. So, is this the end of an era for the Elephants, or will they bounce back soon? Go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or you can send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Let's go back to Stuart Weir in the UK now and talk European football.、Uh, Stuart, I'd be very interested to hear your thoughts on Patrice Evra, the France left back who was born in Senegal and a former Manchester United player. He left his French club Marseille by mutual consent and has been banned from UEFA competition for the rest of this season for kicking one of his own fans. Evra kicked a fan next to the pitch before a Europa League game against Vitoria Guimaraes.、Uh, Marseille supporters had. Been jeering Evra for about half an hour while the players warmed up. He went to the fans to talk to them, but then the situation got out of hand. Now we don't know if it was racial abuse, but I'd say the chances are high, knowing how fans can talk at the stadium. And certainly Evra didn't start it, but he's ended up ruining his career. As a big question is, are players expected to never to react to provocation? Uh, well, Stuart,、uh, Eric Cantona was involved in a similar incident、uh, back in the nineties, but、uh, he did manage to revive his career. The incident reminds one of the Manchester United player and, ironically, Evra's teammate, Eric Cantona, who karate kicked a Crystal Palace fan who had allegedly insulted Cantona's mother. Cantona was banned for eight months, and the fan who insulted him was imprisoned. Eric Cantona returned to play for Manchester United for three more seasons after that, but whether Patrice Evra can come back is less certain, as he will be 37 by the time his ban ends, 
and one wonders whether he will get offers. Yes, it will be tough at the age of 37 for Patrice Evra when he is back in football. And to Stuart, the English Premier League are back this week after the international break and four managers have been fired already with just 11 matches gone. Slaven Bilic at West Ham was the latest to go following Frank de Boer at Crystal Palace, Ronald Koeman at Everton and Craig Shakespeare of Leicester. What do you make of this? Four managers gone already. It's simply incredible. The situation is simply that with Premier League survival worth over $100 million a year, club owners are very quick to panic if the team starts the season badly. Let's just look at them individually. Frank de Boer was a world-class player and an experienced coach, but he still seemed a strange choice for Crystal Palace when he was appointed at the beginning of this season. For one thing, he was entirely new to the Premier League. And remember too that Palace only just survived in the Premier League last season with Sam Allardyce brought in late in the season as manager. Palace ground out results and survived winning several of their games at the end of the season to finish 14th. But De Boer came in, changed the formation, changed the style of play, played three at the back and encouraged the players to pass the ball around. It was a massive change for the Palace players, and sadly, they failed to score even one league goal under De Boer. Now, Leicester City, as we all know, won the Premier League title two seasons ago. But when they struggled last season, Claudio Ranieri, who had taken them to the title, was fired, and his assistant, Craig Shakespeare, made temporary manager. Now, Shakespeare had been assistant manager at Leicester for eight seasons and he guided them out of relegation trouble to finish 12th on the table. And he was then given the job permanently in the summer on a three-year contract but was gone by mid-October. Leicester have now appointed Claude Puel, the Frenchman who had been Southampton manager last season but was fired at the end of his first season. Now, Ronald Koeman was, of course, a world-class player, and he was also very successful as a coach at Southampton, taking them to 7th and then 6th in the table, their best-ever Premier League finish. But he was headhunted by Everton in the summer of 2016, and last season he took Everton to 7th and qualified them for the Europa League. But then, of course, people started wanting more. Could Everton get into the top four? Could they qualify for the Champions League? But the season could hardly have started worse, with Everton winning one of their first six Premier League games, as well as being eliminated from the Europa League. And by the time that happened, Kuman was gone. And it was the scale of the defeats, really, that lost him his job. They lost 3-0 at home to Spurs, 5-2 at home to Arsenal, 4-0 away to Manchester United, and 3-0 away to Atlanta in the Europa League. Now, with West Ham third from the bottom, the club said that they believed a change was necessary to move forward positively in line with their ambition. Slavin Bilic, an outstanding Croatian player and former national team coach, was appointed 
in 2015 as manager of West Ham. And he guided them to seventh in his first season. But an 11th place finish last season, their first in the London Stadium, has been followed by a poor start this season, with them currently third from bottom, and that spelt the end for Slavin Village. Now, as we try to make sense of the managerial merry-go-round, you could make a number of observations. The money in the Premier League is such that owners are terrified of losing their Premier League status. Often, one sees a manager given a three-year contract, allowed to spend $100 million on new players, and then is fired weeks later. One may think, for example, of Shakespeare and De Boer. I think you could also say that West Ham have fired Slavin Bilic and appointed David Moyes. Leicester have fired Craig Shakespeare and appointed Claude Puel. In each case, the question can be asked, is the new manager better than the old? On paper, frankly, it would be hard to say either way. Sadly, Steve, the reality is that it won't be long before we're talking again about managerial casualties in the Premier League. Well, I'm sure that you are right there, Stuart. Uh, Thanks for those thoughts. Uh, In the English Premier League this weekend, Arsenal playing Tottenham, Leicester against Manchester City, Manchester United up against Newcastle in some of the big games to look forward to. Also on this weekend, the first leg of the final of the CAF Confederation Cup. TP Mazembe of DR Congo uh, hosting Supersport United of South Africa. Well, that's it for the show for this week. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.